Welcome to the keynote podcast from Kingdom Faith. Today's message is by Pastor Colin Urquhart. Now in the Horsham congregation on Sunday, we had a very practical message about impartation. Of course, I couldn't say everything that needed to be said in one message. So I want to pick up this morning on some of the things that were said and expand and move on from there and uh, talk about how we are to be led by the Spirit when we impart to others. Turn to Luke chapter 1. It's Christmas all over again this morning. Verse 26, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. The days of your pregnancy are over. I want you to see yourself in Mary's position, not that you are going to get physically pregnant by the Holy Spirit, but here is the way in which God operates in the lives of his children. You have encountered God in your life. Somehow or other, in different ways, God has brought us into relationship with him. Like Mary, you are highly favored because the Lord is with you. And as the angel said to Mary, so God says to you, doesn't matter what I have for you, what my purpose is for you, don't be afraid because you have found favor with God. You are one of his favored children. You are a child of his grace. And as uh, the angel said to Mary, so God is saying to you, you will be with child. Who lives in you? The secret is Christ in you. 
But God doesn't intend you to be pregnant with Christ, but for the life of Christ to pour out of you. And just as, you know, before birth, there is the whole nine months or so of preparation for that, so God does a lot of work in the lives of his children before there's that real release of Jesus through their lives and out of their lives in the way that he intends. So it's time for us to give birth to what God has put within us. And this is what impartation is all about. And we've seen last week that not only is Christ in us, but the kingdom is within us, this never-ending kingdom of God, and that Jesus serves us from the throne of God in heaven in the power of an endless life, an indestructible, endless life, as it says in Hebrews. And you see what um, the angel said to Mary is true for every one of us. How can... God be released in our lives, how can we impart his life to others in the way that he intends? So the angel said to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Well, the power of the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The power of the Most High overshadows you. You live under the shadow of his glory. So the Holy One to be born in you You've been born again. Now we need to see that Christ pouring out of our lives uh, more and more. The Son of God being revealed, not only in who we are, but in what we do. So the scripture is very clear about who we are as sons of God, as the children of God, as those who have the Lord Jesus Christ living in us as those who are highly favored, those who have been anointed by God, by the Holy Spirit. And nothing is impossible for God, as the angels said to Mary, and nothing is impossible for God to work through us. That as Paul said to the Ephesians, that God is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or imagine according to that power that is at work within us. So, we're coming into this season of impartation. Impartation was happening before, you understand, but now in much greater measure. We're coming into a season where God is going to be pouring out of the lives of his people in very powerful ways. As I was explaining on Sunday, we not only need to believe that we can impart in the name of of Jesus, but also how to impart. I'm not going to repeat all I said on Sunday, but just to pick up on, on one or two things. However much God can release through your life is going to depend upon your relationship with God. Now, there are certain key factors in that. First, the faith. Jesus makes it abundantly clear 
that we receive whatever we believe. You will receive whatever you ask in prayer if you believe. Believing and receiving go together. So believing and impartation belong together. As I was saying on Sunday, when people came to Jesus to be healed, they didn't come for a word from God. They didn't come from a prophetic word. They didn't come for an encouraging word. They came to be healed. And if people come to us to be healed, and our faith is to give them a prophetic word, God will give us a prophetic word for them because that's our faith. But God doesn't want us to have faith for a prophetic word. He wants to have the faith to believe they'll be healed. And that's why I say, you see, if we, if we start doing things that are not really part of God's purpose at that moment, it may seem that what we're doing is good because perhaps a person wants a word and you, you, if you're believing for a word, God will give you a word. But that's not what we're supposed to be doing at that moment. We're supposed to be imparting the power of God, not simply giving a word. As I explained on Sunday, sometimes before you pray with someone, if they're not in a place of faith, you need to open up the word to them to bring them to a place of faith. People came to Jesus at other times, and he gave them a prophetic word, as I explained on, on Sunday. But when it came to healing, Jesus simply imparted, get up and walk, be opened. According to your faith, it will be done to you. Go your way, your servant is healed. And so on. It was impartation. He imparted through what he said, but they were not prophetic words in the sense of, I have a word from God for you. He was releasing the power of God. Sometimes there was the laying on of hands. Sometimes there was anointing. If you look at, if you look at the scriptures, sometimes Jesus just spoke. But all the time he was expecting person to be healed. And there's a big difference, you see, between praying for someone and expecting them to be healed. These are two completely different things. I mean, there's a relationship between them. But you can pray and pray and pray for people. And I, I gave an example of a whole church praying for somebody for six months and they got worse and worse two minutes of impartation, and she was healed miraculously. This is the difference between praying for someone and imparting to them. And what God wants is for us to understand that he calls us to be imparters of his life. So, <clears throat> what is the laying on of hands? You see, if you lay hands on someone, what do you believe You see, if you lay hands on someone in the name of Jesus, those are the hands of Jesus, they're not your hands. That's as good as Jesus laying his hands on that person. That's the kind of faith God wants you to have, right? These are the hands of Jesus. 
He uses hands. Believers will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. But they will only recover if you believe that these are the hands of Jesus. And therefore, the life of Jesus and the power of Jesus is going to be imparted. It's according to your faith. If you don't believe that, then you may encourage someone, something may happen. But God wants to lift us into the realm of the miraculous. For the miraculous to become the norm. Not something that occasionally happens to our astonishment. God is bringing us into a place where we will expect the miraculous when we act in his name and speak in his name. There is no limit to what God can do because nothing is impossible for God. And Jesus said, all things are possible to he who believes. Now, you see, one of the secrets in the ministry of Jesus is that he wasn't really concerned about what the need was. He didn't look at situations and say, oh, this is simple, oh, this is more difficult, oh, wow, we really need to see something mighty happening. Because he was at one with the Father, and he knew that everything he was doing was the work of the Father through the Son. He knew that everything was of equal ease or difficulty, however you look at it, for his Father. Therefore, he wasn't looking at the situation and assessing the, human, the situation humanly. So, wow, this is going to be really difficult. He knew that nothing is impossible for the, for the Father to do through the Son. And nothing is impossible for God to do through us. So it's actually undermining of faith if you uh, just look at the situation. I remember once going into a hospital where I was asked to pray for someone, and I, I looked at this person, and I'm, uh, he, he looked almost like a corpse. He was sort of skin and bone and uh, obviously very near to death. And when you look at someone like that, if, the more you look at them, the more faith drains out of you. Why? Because... It's so easy to believe what you see. But if we're praying with faith, we don't see the situation. We see Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. The more you look at the situation, the more you look at the mountain, the bigger the mountain seems to be. The more you have your eyes on Jesus, the more you realize it doesn't matter the size of the mountain because Jesus is bigger. God is much bigger than whatever the need. 
And it's not so much a question of, do I have the faith for this situation? But simply, do I have faith in Jesus to believe that if I pray, he will honor his word? If I lay hands on someone, the word of God will be fulfilled. It doesn't matter where you've been in the past or what your past history has been when you prayed for people because we're into a new season and therefore we're going to be functioning at a different level of faith. Now, how do we know what we believe when we're ministering to people or when we're being ministered to, for that matter? Well, it's very simple. You get what you expect. You get what you expect. This is why Jesus says it will be done for you according to your faith. You expect to give a word of God, you give a word of God. You expect healing, there'll be healing. You expect to receive, you'll receive. But there's no double-mindedness or double standards in this. You know, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways and cannot expect to receive anything from God, James says. So, often, when we're either praying for someone or receiving prayer for ourselves, we've got a few caveats in our minds if we're not careful. But God wants us to be in this place of single-minded faith. There can only be one outcome, and that outcome is victory. Now, we know that Jesus has done everything necessary for that victory, for the healing or the meeting of whatever need it is through the whole of his work of salvation, especially through the cross, through the release of his blood. So it isn't that God has to do anything new. He is, if you like, ministering in the power of what he has already made possible through his own sacrifice for us. Now, what the angel was saying to Mary is the, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. So this isn't a matter of sort of mechanically doing something because we know this is what the Word of God says, but at all times being led by the Holy Spirit. There's a time to impart and there's a time not to impart. And I've given you testimonies about that in future, there, in, in the past. There are times when it would seem that the situation is so unlikely that you would hesitate to impart, except the Holy Spirit tells you to. I told you a testimony of, of a man that I was asked to go and pray for. Uh, in a hospital who um, was a God-hater. 
and I sat by his bed for a whole hour, and I couldn't get a word in, he just poured out all his venomous hatred of God, of the church, and of pastors in particular. You see, and I was sitting there saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said, heal him. Now, he didn't say, I will heal him. He just said, heal him. Because that's the command of Scripture, isn't it? Heal the sick. So he said, heal him. So when finally I, I got a word in, I said to him, I see you don't believe, but I do. Will you let me pray for you? And he began to weep. I don't think he could believe that after a whole hour, and it really was literally a whole hour of venomous hatred, anybody could, could do that, say that. So he said yes, and I prayed for him, and the man was completely healed. When I went to the hospital four days later, there was a group of doctors around his bed, and they were all utterly perplexed. They couldn't find what was wrong with him. One of them even wanted to operate on him so that they could look for what wasn't there anymore. <laughs> but you see, a totally unlikely situation. If you were going to judge the situation, you would say, this is hopeless. This man doesn't have any faith. But I did. And this man was not a believer, obviously. He was a God-hater. And even in situations like that, you see, God can do what he wants to do. And if you have the leading of the Holy Spirit like that, you're on a winner every time. If God said, heal him, he didn't say pray for him, he said heal him, it was obvious the man was going to be healed. All I had to do was just do the stuff. Can't remember exactly what I did because it was some time ago, but I mean, it was just a couple of minutes and the man was healed. This is God. It's not us, it's God. And this is the whole point. We can pray, we can have words, we can encourage, we can do all kinds of things, but God heals. God moves in sovereign power. See, we're talking about the sovereign will of God. This is the sovereign will of God, where he rules and reigns, and where he establishes that rule and reign in the situation. And it doesn't mean always that there's an instantaneous miracle. But as I explained about one of our, our neighbors on Sunday, God can initiate something with that laying on of hands and suddenly the whole situation changes and then from that moment there can be a progressive healing. But the important thing is that something supernatural takes place. An event. Not an experience because people don't always have an experience but they have an event because the power of God touches their lives. Now, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So, we have the power. But you see, God doesn't want us to be pregnant with power. He wants us to give birth to that power. He wants that power to be released so 
that it is flowing out of our lives. And a lot, as, as far as impartation goes, a lot is down to confidence. And, you know, when we start out, we perhaps don't have that much confidence. You can hear what people like myself say and, and you know, can give testimony of this, that, and the other. But I can remember the first time I ever prayed for a miracle to happen. You know, God had said to me, um, in fact, I said to this lady, I said, when I pray for you, God will heal you. And as soon as I'd said that, I thought, you idiot, what have you said? Because this was going to be a major miracle. But you see, God in his, I mean, that was, that was God. It wasn't me deciding to say that. It was the Holy Spirit bursting out of me. So when a few days later I prayed with that lady, she was wonderfully healed. And I, that was such a work of God's grace to give me that encouragement right at the beginning. Because I remember John Wimber saying he prayed for people for nine months before he saw anybody healed. And he just kept persevering, persevering, persevering because he knew it was the word of God. But you see, God wants to be glorified in and through his beloved children. So if you turn on to Luke chapter 4, Jesus is quoting from the prophecy of Isaiah in verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Well, you can say amen to that. As far as you are concerned, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you because he has anointed you. He's even been renewing, refreshing the anointing in recent days. So you have good news to, to preach. You, you, sorry, you have anointing to preach the good news. Amen? To speak the word of God. But look, Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. So what did the Father send him to do? To proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Right, so people are going to be set free. Recovery of sight for the blind. Okay, people are going to be healed. To release the oppressed. Okay, the oppressed people, the depressed people are going to be set free and healed by the Lord Jesus Christ. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is the year of the Lord's favor. You see, God doesn't only want us to be. He wants us to know we are the children of God. We are the sons of God. We are the anointed ones. We are the co-heirs with Christ. But if that's who we are, then we are to do what is consistent with who we are. We don't just rest in the fact that, praise God, I'm saved. Praise God, I'm a child of God. Praise God, I have eternal life. Praise God, the kingdom is within me. Praise God, he loves me. Praise God, he's concerned about me and cares for me. All that is true. But if that's who you are, then God is concerned about what you do. What flows out of you. Because as the Father sent him, so he sends you. To proclaim the good news, to heal the sick, to see the oppressed set free, and so on. So faith 
begins at this point. Do you believe what God says you can do? You see, you probably believe by now that you are who he says you are. You are a child of God. You are a son of God. You are a co-heir with Christ. So you believe all that. Okay, if you believe that you are who God says you are, now you can believe that you can do what God says you can do. Same God, same book, same anointing of the Holy Spirit revealing the truth. Amen? So what we're talking about at present is not calling to, being called to a specific ministry, but the ministry that God has for all believers, which is why Jesus says in John 14, 12, anyone who has faith in me will do the same things as I've been doing, and greater things still will he do, because I go to the Father. Anyone who believes. Anyone who believes. So this is always the challenge to us. Okay, do you believe? If you believe that you are who God says you are, do you believe that you can do what he says you can do? Now, you might not have seen it yet, but you are going to see now, this is significant. You remember in Acts chapter 4, when they were praying for greater boldness to preach, they said, we need to see you doing. We need to see. Yeah, we need the boldness to preach, but we need to see what you're doing. Not just believing that something is happening. We need to see. And faith sees. And you see, what God is going to do in these coming weeks and months is people will see what he's doing. We want to see things happening on Sunday. So when unsaved people come in, they see God at work. I remember when I was a young pastor, uh, you know, and, and everybody was, was touching the world in some way or another in, in the church. Because we didn't allow them to have a ministry in the church unless they had a ministry outside the church as well. So... Uh, Everybody, in, a, in one way or another, was reaching out and touching unsaved, the lives of unsaved people. And one of the things that unsaved people often say is, well, I would believe in your God if I could see him. And so the answer that people would give, okay, well, come on Sunday morning and you will see him. They were so confident that God could be seen in what he did, that they said, okay, come and see him. Come and see him at work. And I believe that's the place that God wants to bring us to, where we'll say, okay, come and see him. He'll be there on Sunday. He'll be at work. He'll see the things he's doing. 
After all, why did the crowds follow Jesus? Because they could see what he was doing. And God is talking about breakout and harvest. Well, if there's a harvest, you see it. But the harvest is going to be the fruit of what God is doing amongst us. And what God is doing amongst us will be according to the measure of our faith. Because that's what he says in his word. So we had mighty, I think last week was one of the best first weeks of term we've ever had in the history of of kingdom faith, of the college. Potentially, what can flow out of what God was doing last week is, is immeasurable. Now, we're going to see the outworking of it. And okay, at first, you know, there might be, of course, there's no fear in love, but, you know, at first we might be a bit tentative, wondering how God is going to do it. But, you know, God understands that. He knows us, and he is the great encourager. And this is where the Holy Spirit is so vital in the whole process. You see, what I learned many years ago, and I told you there was a time when I was praying for people, people to be healed, people that are coming from all over the place. They weren't just members of the congregation. And I could spend all day praying with one person after another and seeing one miracle after another. But what I learned was never to pray for any two people in the same way. That this is not like an assembly line in a car factory where just people are passing through. <clears throat> but God is going to impart by the power of his spirit and the Spirit is always going to do that which is unique. So there are general principles. But I can remember, I, I, used to, I used to actually stand behind people in those days. They were sitting in one pew and I'd be standing behind them. And because uh, I didn't want, you know, I wanted them to see. They're looking to God, they're not looking to me. And I'm just there in his name, I would explain all that to them. Uh, but when I laid hands on them, God was laying hands on them, and so on. But the <laughs> the uh, the important thing is, you see, the expectation. So I I knew I I always got a person to pray, and they would pray and say whatever. Uh, they'd always had a time of preparation, so. They might be praying for forgiveness. If we get the sin out of the way first, your sins are forgiven you, then get up and walk, you know. But uh, I would wait. I might wait for a minute or two, and it might seem like a long time when the other person had finished praying and nothing was happening. I wasn't saying anything, but I would wait. I would wait until I knew that 
I believed as soon as those hands were laid on that person, the power of God was going to be imparted. I would just wait. And during that time of waiting, the Holy Spirit would show me how to pray for that particular person, how to impart to them, sometimes what to impart to them. It's dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And what we have to remember is the Holy Spirit doesn't know how to fail because the Holy Spirit is God. We can fail when we don't listen to the Holy Spirit, when we don't obey the Holy Spirit, when we're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit can never fail. Hello? God, by definition, can never fail. And the Holy Spirit is God. And because we're anointed by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can flow through us and out of us, and he will not fail. so long as we give him the space in which to move, and so long as we believe and trust in him. It's trusting in the anointing that God has given you. So <clears throat> it isn't that we need a word from God about whether he wants to heal or not. You can assume that in every situation, God is going to heal unless he tells you something else. But what the leading of the Holy Spirit does is to show us how to pray and when to pray. Because there's no use praying for someone if they're not in a place of faith. We need to bring them through to a place of faith first. And faith comes from hearing the word. Because ultimately, you see, if you believe that you are imparting and the person believes that they can receive because you're imparting the power of God, then the two of you are agreed. And this is what Jesus is talking about when he says, if any two of you agreed, it will be done by my Father in heaven. If the one who imparts believes and the one who receives believes, the two are in agreement. Hallelujah. And that's when great and, uh, and wonderful things can happen. What God has to do in us, and what he is, I believe, working in us, is a change of mindset. We, we've got to get, we've got to transition from the kind of mindset that says, I'll pray for you, into the kind of mindset, I will heal you in the name of Jesus. See, it's a change of mindset. It's a change of faith. It's a change of expectation. Because it's easy to say, oh, I'll pray for you. And if I just say, I pray for you, then, well... I can accept what anything, whatever happens or whatever doesn't happen because I've fulfilled my responsibility and I've prayed for you. Well, I've done my bit, I've prayed for you. I used to take to task some, some of the faith preachers, you know, uh, 
because there, there are some people that say, you know, if, if they pray for someone and they don't receive, they say, well, you haven't received because of your lack of faith. And I used to say to them, wait a minute, what about your responsibility, your authority, your, the power of God working through you? It's highly irresponsible and ungodly just to put all the responsibility on the person. Because two things are operating here. The one who imparts is to believe and the one who receives is to believe. And sometimes I believe the one who is praying doesn't believe. I remember once a group of elders from some kind of evangelical, it was a conservative evangelical church that didn't believe in healing. And uh, their pastor got terminal cancer. And so in their extremity, you know, they got into the word of God and saw what it said in James about calling for the elders of the church. So the pastor asked these elders to pray for them. There'd never been any faith in healing or anything. But they were just sort of, if you like, mechanically putting the word of God. But the man wasn't being healed. So these pastors, these elders came to see me and said, what should we do? I, and I said, well, look at the scripture again and you'll see that it says there's two things that are necessary when you anoint someone. One is that you confess your sins one to another. And the other is that the prayer of faith will raise the sick man. It's not the anointing that would do it. It's the faith that accompanies the anointing. The anointing is simply the action. What's the confessing of sins one to another? Well, it's being sure that the one who is to receive is without sin because they've asked for God's forgiveness, which is why if I'm in a one-to-one -one situation, I will always get the person first to confess any sin, let's get rid of all, anything like that. So, because God is concerned about the person. He's not just concerned about the sickness. And if there's sin, then he's concerned to see the, the forgiveness of the sin just as much as the healing of the sickness. So it, it's good, well, let's get rid of the sin. Uh, but also it's important that there's no sin in my life if I'm going to impart that I'm a pure channel, I'm a clean channel, I'm a clear channel for God to work through. Can we see this? This is, this is why in the body of Christ we have a great responsibility to one another to live right, to live clean, so that, that uh, we can be imparters to one another in the way that God intends, that there can be that unity. Are you there? Now, that's not to say that what God does depends upon us. Everything is the work of his grace. Everything is the work of his power. All is the outworking of his mercy. But you see, he will use channels of faith. He will use clear, clean channels far more effectively. And we want to be effective, don't we? So you have to put 
as we did last week. You have to put this whole business of imparting into the context of what it means to live a kingdom lifestyle. And all those principles we talked about last Wednesday morning, I think it was, uh, and that I reiterated on Sunday morning, uh, very briefly for the congregation, those principles need to be operating in our lives so we're living at fellowship, we're living in dependence upon him, and so on, out of love and obedience to him. And you see, what we're doing in terms of believing God to impart life to others through us, not just healing, but whatever way he's calling us to pray, is actually obedience to his word. This is part of our obedience, that we're speaking to mountains, commanding them to move, that we're laying hands on the sick, that we're seeing the oppressed set free. It's all part of the call of God on believers, because believers will do the same things that Jesus was doing. So these were the things that Jesus was doing. These are the things that we will do. Some of you may end up by having what is usually called a healing ministry, where God uses you in a particular way, and you will see people, you know, people used to say to me, you have a healing ministry, and I say, no, I have a gospel ministry, because I believe that wherever you preach the gospel, God will heal the sick. You don't even have to talk about healing, but he will confirm his word with signs following. So, uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't sort of like that, people. You know, I, I don't, don't like this phrase, healing meetings. Those people would have healing meetings. I would say, no, I don't want to speak at a healing meeting. I just want to speak at, at a gospel meeting, at a kingdom meeting. If there's a kingdom meeting, there will be healing. You understand me? But, you know, mention the word healing meeting and you get a crowd. Because look at the crowds that followed Jesus, not because they wanted to love Jesus, but because they wanted the healings. But okay, God does things like this. He'll start often meeting people with their point of need. But this is not, this is not just a, a session about, okay, this is how we're doing, but what, how we're going to do it. But what God is saying to us about our mindset, about our attitudes, about our faith expectations. Now, God has got you here at this time when this is happening, when this is what he's saying, when this is what he's doing. So you're part of it. And God hasn't got you here to say, well, this is what I'm going to do through everybody else except you. Now, you see, he is speaking to the body. And it was so important that last week at the evening meetings, the body was imparting. The body was receiving impartation. We had that very powerful time on, on Wednesday evening. But then it was important that on the Thursday evening, everybody was being used to impart. You know, we receive and we give. 
We receive and give. We receive and give. The, the life flows through us, keeps flowing through us all the time. And actually what you discover is the more you give, the stronger the anointing. It isn't that God sort of anoints you more. It's just that the anointing you have is getting released. And it seems to you, oh, the anointing is growing, the anointing is getting stronger. In one sense, that's true, but the reality is you're simply using the anointing that God is there, and you're getting more and more confident, and you get more and more expectation of what God will do. Are you with me? So when you go out in evangelism and you're encountering non-believers, don't expect the non-believers to believe. But in evangelistic situations, it's actually easier to see people being healed than in church situations. Because where when it's believers, God expects believers to believe. As I was saying in one of my books, when believers believe, believers receive. But when there's non-believers, God doesn't expect them to believe. But he knows you have the power to impart. And the impartation of something from God can be the crisis point that will turn a person to faith. Not necessarily so. I've seen amazing miracles happen in non-believers and still they haven't wanted to believe. But I've seen many people that have received and, you know, this is, this is a, a key point in their lives because suddenly they're faced with the reality of God, that he is real, but also that he loves them. What better way to be convinced of that love than to actually receive something from him, not just to hear words spoken about him. So, some of you are going to see some exciting things out on the street and, you know, in the Carfax or wherever, wherever, wherever. We could have a few miracles knocking around. But... You know, the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit will lead you. But the point is this. When the Holy Spirit prompts you to do something, don't hold back. Do it. Don't start to reason and listen to the enemy and say, oh, I couldn't do that, I couldn't do that. And usually you go out in pairs, and Jesus sent people out in pairs so you can encourage one another. The two of you are in it together. But expect. Because it's harvest time. It's a time for the life of the kingdom within you to break out of you. Your pregnancy is over. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Favor is God is upon you. His power overshadows you. And there's nothing impossible for God. We're on the winning side, aren't we? Praise God. Come on, let's all stand.
Here am I, send me. Amen. Who will go for us? Who can we send? We had this last week, didn't we? Here am I, Lord, send me. But that's another way of saying, here am I, Lord, use me. Can you say that to him this morning? Use me, Lord. Use me to impart to others the life that you have given me. The fullness of your life. The fullness of your power. Thank you, Lord, you have given me that fullness according to your word. Thank you, Lord, that when I pray in your name, your life and your power is going forth. When I lay hands on someone in your name, you are laying hands on that person, and your life and your power gets released. That when I anoint in your name, you are anointing by the power of your Holy Spirit. I'm just the messenger. I'm just the channel. It's what you are doing that matters. And all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise belongs to you, Lord. That whatever, whatever we do in your name, we do for your glory. Hallelujah. 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 Puparazandaria lero bakarasitri sanda. Thank God that you have the anointing. You have the anointing. He has anointed you. Puralabasandaria lero bakarasitaba. Puparazandaria lero bakarasitri sanda. The power of the Lord God overshadows you. Christ is alive within you. And his life and power is released through you. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now thank the Lord for an undivided heart and being single-minded. No double standards. 
single-minded. Just thank him that you can do whatever he says you can do. And when the Holy Spirit leads you, he will work through you. He will do it. He will not fail. Just thank him that the Holy Spirit will not fail and you can't cause him to fail. Hallelujah. He's bigger than you are. Thank him that his grace is sufficient for you and his power is made perfect in your weakness. Hallelujah. In your weakness, you depend upon him. In your weakness, you let him channel his life through you. Praise you, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, let's hear some real thanksgiving. Yes, 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 yes. Now just pray for sensitivity to the voice of the Spirit and obedience to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because God doesn't you know, he, Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. So the Father, uh, Jesus didn't just do what he wanted to do. He said, I do what I see my Father doing. He was led all the time. And, you know, the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God is going to lead you. So thank him that the Holy Spirit will lead you. He will show you what to do. He's the spirit of faith. He will even enable the faith to operate in your life. It's going to be the work of the Spirit from start to finish, you see. You're just cooperating with the Holy Spirit. So you're not going to try to do all this and to work it all out in your own way or in your own strength, but in the power of the Spirit. Thank you, Lord. So you will know when to pray, when not to pray, when to impart, when not to impart, how to impart, when it's right to impart. The Holy Spirit will guide you into all this. Hallelujah. So just agree with God now that you're going to be obedient to the leading of the Spirit. Not just hear what he says, but you're going to be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Praise you, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. You know, over the years, the Lord's always encouraged me by saying, Colin, all you have to do is what I tell you to do. 
If you do what I tell you to do, the outcome is, is down to me, not to you. All you have to do is to do what I tell you to do. This is the obedience of faith, it's the obedience of love. And those two aspects of obedience work together, faith working through love. Hallelujah. So you remember we had one, one session last week, God was talking about his love for people. God's not going to use you as a channel of his grace without that love. So just pray right now, Lord, thank you that you give me a love for people, a love for the lost, a love for the sick, a love for the poor and the needy, a love for the oppressed. Because if you love them, you see, you want to see them set free. And if you want to set them, if you want to see them set free, then you're halfway to being in the right place for God to use you to see them set free. So I spoke about the faith, but the love is just as important. Faith working through love. Hallelujah. So thank you, Lord, that you have poured your love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And thank you that when we see a person in some form of affliction, that we don't look at the affliction, but we keep our eyes on you and what we see is someone who needs to be loved. And someone for whom you want to show your love by touching their lives in whatever way is appropriate. And thank you that you put us in positions where we can be the ambassadors of that love. Hallelujah. And Lord, we pray that we're going to see a great harvest of souls coming into the kingdom because of the way they're not just spoken to in love, but their lives are touched by the acts of your love for them. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you're taking us into the realms of the supernatural more and more in what you're saying to us in these days. Oh, this is exciting. I, it's so exciting. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I can, I can see healings. I can see miracles. I can see transform lives. 
I can see people being absolutely amazed at the way God uses them. I never would have thought that God could use me in such a way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I've told you, especially you students, when you like to hear the stories of, uh, and the testimonies of, of what God has done, and I've said, well, I only tell you those so long as you get your own stories. So you're going to get your own stories now. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, just remember, it's not all about healings. It's not all about miracles. It's not all about impartation. It's about God working in us in those six ways we talked about last week, encouraging that kingdom lifestyle so that out of that lifestyle we see this impartation that will bring more and more people into kingdom lifestyle. Come on, let's lift our hands and just worship the Lord now. Let's worship him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Now, if you remember those six things we had about Kingdom Lifestyle up on the board last week, the last of those was glory. And this is the thing to bear in mind all the time. That whatever you say or do in the name of Jesus will be for the glory of God, not for your glory, not even for the glory of the one who receives as a result of what God imparts through you, but everything is for the glory of God. And you see, no matter what situation you're in, God wants to be glorified. And it doesn't matter who you're dealing with, God wants to be glorified in that person. In that situation. And this is what Jesus did. In every situation, he sought to glorify the Father. He wasn't seeking his own glory. He made that very clear. He was seeking the Father's glory. And in every situation, we seek the glory of God. So when we say, use me, Lord, we say, Use me for your glory, Lord. So just as the Father was glorified in the Son, so the Father and the Son will be glorified in us. Can you believe that? All for his glory. All for his glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.
O para sandalia lero bakala sito di santa. O para sandalia lero bakala sito di santa. Hallelujah. And just expect that. Expectation is so important. What you expect to impart, what people expect to receive. You know, when, when I started traveling and speaking at these big meetings and seeing so many people being healed, I was thankful on the one hand, but I used to think, now a lot of these people are believers, and they go to their church every Sunday, and they probably be praying for healing every Sunday. And for one reason or another, the healing hasn't happened until now. And why has the healing happened on that occasion? Because they came with expectation. They came with expectation. And what God wants to do is to bring everybody and everybody in the church to that place of expectation. That actually we, we believe there's going to be impartation every week, one way or another. It won't always be the same, it will always be different. Every week it will be different. But God will be at work. He's been at work in the past, but he's going to be at work even more. Overtly, we will see much more happening. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com.